Welcome to Kino Society with Owen Shapiro. Welcome to Kino Society, and today we have Clarice Logre, the chief film critic for The Independent and also a regular stand-in for Mark Kermrod on BBC Radio 5's Live Kermrod and Mayo. She's worked extensively with the BBC, making guest appearances on Radio 4, Radio 3, BBC 4, and Radio 1 Screen Time Podcast. She's also written for BAFTA, Games Radar, and Little White Lies. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting me on. Would you mind telling us a bit about your background and what drew you to film criticism? Yeah, sure. It, <laughs> it was a little bit of an accident because I, I knew I always wanted to do something with film because that's what I'd always loved since I was a child. You know, initially I wanted to be an actor. I had, you know, I used to practice my Oscar speech in the mirror, <laughs> like a very sad little kid. And that was initially what I pursued at university. I did a bunch of comedy. I thought I was going to be a comedian. I don't know why I'm not funny. Um, but while I was at university, I just started writing film reviews for the like the university paper just as like something to do something to try and I discovered that I really enjoyed it <laughs> and I started doing it more and more and at first it was sort of the backup thing that I always had in, in case uh things didn't work out but I, I think as time went on I realized that something about it felt right you know when you're you're doing something and it just feels like the thing you're meant to be doing and yeah so yeah I just I just kept going and I guess here I am now <laughs> so what skills are needed to be a film critic I think the most important thing nowadays because you know what we're dealing with now is this brilliant democratization of the art form you know anyone who has access to a blog or even a letterbox account can write a film review and have people read it so I, I, I think what's becoming really important now is just having a unique point of view having something to say and also I think having the the current like the I don't know the courage that makes it sound like you have to be brave to be a film critic which is ridiculous <laughs> but I think have the dead dedication to stand by your beliefs to to want to share your perspective however strange or unique it may be and and also I guess to have the the imagination to deliver it in a way that that's interesting and that that readers connect to and that readers feel engaged with so is there anything in particular that you love about being a film critic I I guess going back to that thing of of knowing that I always wanted to be doing something connected to film as a kid it, it's just I guess it's the closeness it's to get it's about being able to be a part of that orbit that is the film world uh even if it's just watching the film I <laughs> that sounds dumb but I just love watching movies and getting to do that as part of a job as something that I get paid for is still really wild to me like what a dream come true that's awesome <laughs> so you think that film critics should have a degree in film or anything since you seem to care more about film as about film in general than the actual journalism god like it depends i i don't have a degree uh in journalism 
or in film, I studied ancient history. <laughs> um, so I guess I have to say no, because otherwise my entire existence is invalidated. I, I kind of believe no. I think it's it's helpful, certainly, to have a degree in either things, in either journalism or uh, in film. But I think if you have the passion for it and you have the curiosity, the the desire to, to sort of do the research in your own time, then I don't think it's essential. So do you think that it's more important to like movies primarily for being a film critic or to like writing? Because like, especially in recent years for game journalism, mostly as well, um, people are seeing a lot of, there are a lot of videos of game journalists that are acting in video games, like they're playing like a five-year-old. So, and then there's like all these debates online of if game critics should be required to have a particular skill or just knowledge of video games rather than just being journalists. Yeah, I guess, I guess there's no equivalent to like being bad at a game in a film because I, I don't know. I guess, could you watch a film badly? <laughs> I don't know. I That's an interesting question. I think you really do have to have both because I don't think it's enough to just say, hey, I really love movies. Like that should make me a great film critic. That makes you a great film fan. But, you know, a whole other part of it is the writing. And if you can't connect to your audience, then, you know, that that's kind of a problem. I would say you are not a good film critic if you if you can't vocalize effectively what you're feeling inside and that's the thing like you could love movies to death they could be your entire world in existence but if you're having lots of thoughts and opinions that you you can't really communicate very well then that's sort of that's sort of a, a barrier to your audience I guess so do you have any favorite movies or directors oh gosh <laughs> this is such a hard question because I feel like it changes every single day the answers I always give uh, that my two favorite movies are Boy by by Taika Waititi just because I don't know something about the language of that film and the perspective and the mixture of um, like hope being hopeful but also being realistic about how life works really sort of fits with my worldview and how I also see things. The other answer I give is The Apartment by Billy Wilder because it is just a perfect film perfectly made and it has kind of that that same that same idea of hey like be hopeful but also like understand that <laughs> happy endings don't really exist in real life so you know yeah apartment's an amazing movie i love that one yeah um i think i've seen boy i've seen a lot of uh taika watiti's movies definitely a very feel-good vibe to his movies most of the time yeah, yeah, it's interesting because Boy, I think in the US it got released around the same time as like New Zealand, but in the UK it just never got released until I think it was when Thor Ragnarok came out, they finally decided to release it in the UK. So for years I'd been sort of telling everybody, hey, you have to see this film, but the only way to watch it is you have to specifically order it from Australia to be delivered to your house. But I promise you it will be worth it. And not a lot of people took me up on the offer, but it's fine. They've all seen it now. So what is the movie you had a hard time reviewing and why? I <laughs> Okay, I'll give the same answer that I gave to this because I have been asked this question before once. And I think the hardest reviews are always the ones where there's like some sort of practical restriction to it. Like either the deadline is ridiculous, like you walk out the film and the deadline's 
like two minutes later and you're wildly typing in a cafe just trying to get words done down or or I don't know there's like there's something weird about it I think you know coming out of a movie and not being sure how I feel about it like it happens a lot but I feel like I could deal with it at this point I know what to do I sort of scribble my thoughts down and I figure it out so I, I think the hardest one for me recently was I saw Cats and Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker as a double bill like right after the <laughs> I know <laughs> and so like Cats completely broke my brain and then I'm like a huge huge Star Wars fan and I had like a lot of very conflicted emotions about The Rise of Skywalker so the little Star Wars fan part of my brain was trying to process all of that but also processing the image of Judy Dench with like fur and human hands and <laughs> <laughs> but but the worst part of it was that the deadline for both of those films was like 7 a.m. the next morning. So I was like, right, I need to just stay up all night and try <laughs> and figure out how I feel about both of these movies at the same time. And like I did it. <laughs> But it was a it was a weird it was a weird night with a lot of weird thoughts and the movies were starting to blend at some point. I can't imagine it being too hard to find some to have an opinion on cats. That movie is. Uh... It was just finding the words to describe it. That was the thing. It's like I don't I don't know what I was looking at for most of the time. <laughs> terrifying, just terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, terrifying is the right word. Do you think the opinions of critics matter more or less than they did in the past? Oh, gosh. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. Because I think it, it is a, a yes or no, because I, I, I think we've sort of moved past the idea of having the celebrity critic, like the Roger Ebert or the Pauline Kael, who is a figure of such sort of titanic reputation that, you know, they can make or break a film depending on how they feel about it. I think we've moved on from that because of this idea of like the democratization of, of film criticism. But I don't think that necessarily means that people care less what film critics think. I think it's more that, from my experience, it's more that people will seek out critics to sort of be like, okay, this is the critic that I trust. And it might not be someone who works for uh, The Guardian or The LA Times or something. It might be somebody who had their own blog, but that will be the person that this film fan goes to every single time to be like, okay, I trust that we have either the same taste or I can figure out from your reviews how I'm going to feel about something. So I don't know. Like, I, uh, I don't know what, what that... I guess I would say uh, yes and no, which is a really unhelpful answer to that question. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's helpful. A lot of it is that, especially with YouTube, that there are a lot of people that are gaining traction that aren't particularly hired by specific companies or anything. They're just completely independent. And those people gain a lot more recognition than just one person with a face of IGN that has a billion different people speaking and their opinions, their criticisms. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think there's something great about that. I know that, you know, print critics can be a little snobby about YouTube critics or bloggers or stuff like that. But I, I just think it, it's all brilliant because 
honestly, the the more voices, the better, because it's really interesting to hear different perspectives. And we need that. Like, I, I kind of get tired of reading the same review over and over again, because <laughs> it's the same kind of person who's working as a critic. And they all feel exactly the same about every film. You know, I, I think diversity in every meaning of that word is just good for film criticism, period. How would you describe your personal taste? I don't know. It's sort of weird. <laughs> weird probably um yeah i think i i do tend to be attracted the most to to films that i'm a huge david lynch fan and you know i'm a fan of anything that falls under the umbrella of lynchian i love dream logic i love films that take place in a a fantasy world or a semi-fantasy world something that's not quite grounded in reality anything like that is (laughs) is really up my street because i i think what i love most about film is the escapism aspect like I just kind of want to leave my body and leave my existence and go somewhere else for two hours and I'm really appreciative of any film that allows me to do that so do you think that there's a belief of intellectual superiority in the people who criticize things harsher no I think like obsessing too much over like panning things or you know over praising things or, or, or just being kind of over the top with everything I, I think it's dishonest because I don't know maybe I can only really speak from my experience of film watching but I rarely come out of a film feeling like 100% like this is the worst thing that has ever happened to me because it's not, it's a movie. (laughs) Or to go, oh, this is the greatest masterpiece ever made. Like I would give up my firstborn for this movie. You know, I, you've got a two hour experience in which your emotions are gonna naturally fluctuate and, and you're gonna love some things and really emotionally respond to some things. Other things might not work for you, or they might just not really correspond to your experiences or how you feel. You might just not, not click with in some way and I think the most important thing in film criticism is just to be honest about your own emotions and that's really hard because you know I think there is always a pressure to to like feel a certain way about movies and I think there is a pressure to to pan things because it gets all the clicks and everyone loves to read a one-star review of a movie but I think like if you're forcing yourself to feel that way just so you can write a one-star review it yeah I don't know it's it's really dishonest to me and and I love nuance I'm a big fan of nuance yeah, I don't know. I guess that's how I feel about that. So are there any critics that you admire or follow? Oh gosh, that's really hard because I I, tr- I tried to read as everybody. <laughs> I'm trying really hard to just, to just I, it goes back to this idea that I really love like diversity of opinion and hearing different perspectives. So I feel like I'm just always chasing after every review. I really love Justin Chang, his writing at the moment, because it's the stuff I really enjoy is the balance between like really sharp analysis and stuff that just reads beautifully. And he's really, really good at that. Um, Um, I've been reading a lot of stuff by this critic in the UK called Jack King as well, who does a similar thing of mixing personal sort of like personal perspective and also historical and social analysis, which I also really enjoy. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I like a lot of people. It's hard to pick. Are there any big misconceptions about critics that stand out to you? That we are telling you 
whether to like the movie or not. I think that's the source of all the the aggressiveness towards critics is this idea that if a critic gives a negative review of film, it's them telling you that you are not allowed to enjoy it, which is very much not what I'm doing. Like to me, a review is the start of a conversation. Like it's a jumping off point uh, for you to, to develop your own feelings about it. And it's like, if you disagree with the film, well, why do you disagree? That's really interesting. Explore that. Like <laughs> what maybe what caused that that separation of opinions? Is there something about you two as people that means that you feel very differently about this film? That's the stuff that I find really interesting. I just hate all the, all the fighting <laughs> and the anger. And like, it's like, we can all get along. They're just movies. Like, <laughs> it's totally fine to have a different opinion on on, on something it's great let's embrace that so yeah just just we are we are not the teacher coming around to be like hey <laughs> did you like that last marvel movie well you're not allowed to because i'm the big mean critic and i said it was bad so speaking of opinions though are there any movies you change your opinion on i think not in any way that's like really dramatic i don't think i've ever had like a complete like 180 and gone from this is the worst thing ever to oh my god i love it i do think that revisiting stuff my feelings kind of deepen like that i realize that there's a lot more layers to how i feel about something which is interesting like that's kind of the this annoying thing about being a critic is that you get one you usually get one shot to watch through me and you have to form a very concrete opinion of that one experience and Sometimes I feel like, you know, this is a thing that critics never want to talk about, <laughs> but, you know, your your opinion of a movie is always going to be slightly, not in a way that's going to dramatically change the review, but going to be slightly shaped by the the headspace that you're in. Like, if something, if I'm having a really, really terrible day and, like, I just think the world is a, a garbage pile that I hate everything in it, and then I try and go watch a light comedy, <laughs> like, I, thi I think it would be, I think it would be naive to think that those, uh, my mood is not going to have any effect on how I interpret the film, you know? <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I think definitely I always feel slightly different about films when I rewatch them, but never like a total, you know, I don't know, maybe it'll happen one day. We'll see. Yeah, I see. So what about the um, modern landscape of film with streaming service? Has that changed film criticism at all? Um, I think, yeah, it's really interesting to answer that question in the middle of a pandemic because <laughs> in the UK, our cinemas are all closed. So it's been only streaming services at the moment. I would say, honestly, in terms of what I do and like the day-to-day -day practicalities of my job, it doesn't really affect it that much because a movie is a movie and and whether I, I watch it at home or I watch it at a cinema, you know, in terms of how I write about it, it's not going to be any different. Certainly, you know, people who do other aspects of this job, I'm sure it impacts them greatly. But for me, honestly, not that much. <laughs> Do you have any future plans? 
honestly, at the moment, I'm just taking it day by day <laughs> because, you know, and the world is is very stressful at the moment. And I feel like last year taught me to not make plans because last year I was going to try and write a book. And then we got three months into the year and I realized that was not going to be happening. <laughs> so we'll see. I don't know. I, maybe I'll write a book one day. I would like to, but we'll see. And what book would you plan on writing? I don't know, because I've been trying to think about what my specialty is. I would love to write like a a proper essay book about Taika Waititi because like he's a beloved filmmaker, but I think like often he gets dismissed as like the funny, quirky New Zealand guy. And I think that his films have a lot more to them than that. And I would love to write a book to explain why. We'll see. If anyone listening would like to... <laughs> <laughs> to publish this book, please contact me. I'd be very willing to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely not the most talked about filmmaker in terms of analysis. Yeah, which I, I, I think should be rectified and maybe I'm the person to rectify it. Who knows? What advice would you give to an aspiring film or uh, aspiring filmmaker or critic? I would say take the time to find your voice because you know this it's so competitive nowadays and it's really really easy to just get lost in the the mass the mass of of creative dreams and and people are wanting to 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 make it work and make a career out of it because i think if you if you find your voice if you find what makes you unique what makes you special and there will be something it might not be obvious to you but there will be something that makes you stand out and then just like shout that from the rooftops because I mean that's the thing I I think I really wouldn't have the career that I have today if I hadn't like many years ago gone oh like I don't I don't see a lot of people who are both trying to do YouTube film criticism and also writing at the same time. I mean, I think that's a little bit more common now, but at the time I feel like it was fairly rare. <laughs> um, and so I, I really pushed that and, you know, it was one small thing, but it made me stand out. And, you know, then I got, you know, an email from a radio producer saying, hey, would you, we saw your YouTube videos, would you like to come test out for Komodo Mayo? And then that's how all of that happened. So yeah, I would just say, you know, think, think about something small, that can make you different because it it really can change everything, I would say. Finally, where can my listeners find and connect with you? Everything I do, I, I post on Twitter, which is at Clarice Lou, because I'm I'm doing podcasts and I'm doing videos and I'm doing articles. So I just tend to put everything on there instead of making people chase me around the internet, like Carmen San Diego or something. Thank you very much for your time, Clarice. Um, that's all for today. Don't forget you can subscribe to Kino Society on iTunes and Spotify. Mm-hmm.